welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast with Dr. Elizabeth Bonet. I'm so happy to be here today. The interview is with the president of the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis, Martin Nathan, who's done hypnosis for 44 years. We talk about everything from the difference between stage hypnosis and clinical hypnosis, the difference between meditation and hypnosis, and he also gives quite an interesting case of a woman who gets rid of panic attacks. So let's listen in. So I'm here with Marty Nathan, who's the president of the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and he's been a clinical hypnotherapist for how many years? Uh, 44 years. 44 years. I always find it so amazing when I interview someone with that much experience. It's an exciting process for me. And so I'm happy to talk to him about hypnosis today. Well, hi. Good morning, uh, Dr. Liz. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. And I'm happy to talk about uh, my years of using clinical hypnosis. I love it. It's fascinating. So what was your first experience with hypnosis? My first experience was after going to a workshop uh, where I was trained in the use of hypnosis, I went back to the office and sat with a client and did what was really a simple relaxation exercise that I had learned in the workshop. And I just started with the shoulders and worked down the arms and the back and the chest and the whole body just relaxing. And I didn't do much other than that. It was just a very nice relaxation response. And as the person was in that relaxed state, I gave suggestions for calmness and thinking and feeling calm and then encouraged the person to come out of the trance. Mm-hmm. So that was my very first experience. Wonderful. And, and I'm sure they loved it. Oh, like, they did. They came yeah. back for another session and yeah. asked for it. So, yes. Yeah. I am. I mean, people love like the relaxation part mm-hmm. of hypnosis. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it feels really good to, yeah. to go into relaxation. To And there's benefit to that in terms of your health and heart rate and blood pressure and all kinds of stuff. It's very helpful to do that just before sleep. Mm-hmm. So if your hypnosis session is being recorded for you, you could play it right before sleep, go into a light trance state where your whole body's relaxed and then sleep through the night. Yes, that's why I often recommend to my clients that they listen to it as they fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And then the file will stop playing, but you'll stay asleep. So where did you first take classes? Were you, um, Marty's actually in, where are we both? I lived in Chicago at the time. But you're in Chicago for like many, many years. For 30 some odd years, I was Uh in Chicago practicing. And I took a series of workshops, one with uh, a fellow who was very famous at the time, T.H. Barber, who was a, did a lot of research in clinical hypnosis. And uh, the workshop I had with him confirmed that the type of hypnosis I was using, the way I was doing it, was right on target. And then later, I became involved with the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis and began a two-year program of getting certified uh, in clinical hypnosis, and then went further to become an approved consultant with them, so I now teach hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And how I met Marty is actually through the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis. I was at one of the workshops, and it was during lunch, I think. Like lunch, he sat down beside me, and we were just talking some. 
And he had told me some of his experience and about how he moved from Chicago to Florida and immediately was able to build up his practice through using hypnosis. And I said to him, oh, you know, do you ever mentor? And he said, yeah, I do, actually. I love to mentor. So we agreed on that. And then the day went on. And at some point during the workshop, much later, they said, we're going to introduce the officers of the board. So the director gets up and introduces the officers of the board and the president-elect, she says, the president-elect, Marty Nathan, and he stands up. And I was like, oh my gosh, like wonderful. Like here I am, I got like a wonderful mentor just by um, what Jung would say is synchronicity. I guess you would, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So then we begin to, I begin to talk to him about questions I had and he's just been an invaluable resource to me. Just a really incredible one where I can call him with any questions and, and get some education even outside of the workshops and classes that I do every year, twice a year actually. What I think about uh, the use of hypnosis that I've noticed over the years is that hypnosis is somewhat of an artistic endeavor, uh, and it taps into the therapist's artistic sense. And I've also noticed that some practitioners, and I work with a lot of therapists, and I've noticed that some practitioners have a much better feel for hypnosis and how to use it than others. You may have noticed that yourself in talking to other therapists. Mm-hmm. You have a natural affinity for hypnosis. You like it. Mm-hmm, I love it, it. It just resonates with the way you think, the way you talk. Definitely. That's what makes it so possible to be successful with hypnosis, I believe. Mm. Uh, I just had, a like you, an affinity for it. It just made sense to me, and it feels good. It feels good not just to me, but to the clients as well. They mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, that is what I find. The clients love it, but I also love doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I get to sit in my office and tell stories, right. basically. <laughs> like they come out of my imagination. Even mm-hmm. last week I had a client who said to me, she came in to stop smoking and we had talked about some of her motivations and one of her primary motivations was is her children. And so I did quite a bit in the hypnosis around her children. Mm-hmm. And using them as cues to be a non-smoker. Mm-hmm. And she said to me afterwards, like, are you just making that up as we go? Like, that was really incredible. She loved it. She mm-hmm. came back the next week and she hasn't smoked. I said, yeah. Like, I use starter scripts. I have mm-hmm. those definitely things that I know mm-hmm. need to be in a hypnosis and need to be there to help her. But mm-hmm. it is a creative process, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, I've spoken to a lot of clinicians who use hypnosis, and the general consensus is that as we're going, uh, helping the clients into trances, into that hypnotic state, we ourselves go into a type of hypnotic state. Mm. And I've noticed, for example, in my work, I do the uh, trance work at the end of the session. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to listeners what trance work is? uh, Trance work would be the hypnosis. So in other words, if a person comes in, for smoking, uh, for example, I'm talking to the client for about an hour about their use of cigarettes, their history, uh, getting some insight into the person's personality. And then the trance work is when I induce a trance and do the hypnotic work, the work in the hypnotic state. The best time for me is at the end of the session. And as I'm working with the client, I notice that some of the ideas that were in my mind unconsciously during the session, just working with the client, 
while I'm working with the client in the hypnotic state, those ideas seem to come to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And things I didn't realize during the session now become more clear Mm -hmm. while I'm doing the trance work with the client. Mm, Fascinating. So is that... Are those phrases, are they images that come up? Can you describe some of that process? I, I think they're kind of aha moments where I was working with a lady who was having severe panic attacks for over 20 years. And during the trance work, based on what she had told me during the session, it dawned on me that her panic attacks were caused by some events that took place prior to 20 years ago. Oh. And it just became so clear mm-hmm. It's as if some of the things she had told me during the session came together for me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that it's like a cohesive process. And at that mm-hmm. point, when you yourself are in a semi-trance, not a state, a type of doing a trance, the hypnosis. It's a, it's a state of um, a calm state where I'm getting more information from the subconscious part of my mind that mm-hmm. was processing information from the session. Okay, gotcha. And how do you explain to people what hypnosis is? Uh, Well, I think of it as somewhat of a daydream state. It's a state of mind. I think the words hypnosis and trance are somewhat misleading for people Mm -hmm, or confusing. And most people go into what we call a trance state two or three times a day, uh, if not more. Mm -hmm. Uh, The research shows that while we're driving, most people enter and leave a trance state throughout the drive. Right. It might be, for example, if you sat on a chair in your living room and thought about the beach, let's say you like the beach and you just mm-hmm. imagine yourself at the beach and you close your eyes and you spend a few minutes working at imagining the beach, feeling the sand, the warm sand in your toes, maybe listening to the sound of the surf, hearing the people noises, hearing the seagulls mm-hmm. making their sounds. You don't go into a trance state. You're just in this kind of a reverie Mm -hmm. of being at the beach. It's a very pleasant sensation. That is a trance state. That's what Mm -hmm. we call a trance state. So in that state, the unconscious is more open to suggestion. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing. Okay, so we're where the client is in a state that's more open to suggestion, and then we're helping them... And as you know, they're fully aware during the trance. Yes, always. Right. They hear everything. They could repeat almost verbatim back what took place in the trance. Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons children are so easy to work with is because they spend a lot of time in that daydream state. Absolutely. As I can attest, I have an 11-year-old right now (laughs) who doesn't seem to come out of it. Right, right. right? That's correct. I think um, also the you know the video games that kids use mm-hmm. these days, which are so prevalent that that's a trance state. Like any parent will tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like, well, yeah, I never thought of it in those terms, but you're you're absolutely correct when you think the, the image of sitting in a chair in your living room going to the beach mm-hmm. is. Uh, probably not much different than playing a video game where these kids actually go into the scene. Yes, true. Very true. Yeah, and believe me, once you call their name like five times and mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, hello, like yeah. you have to tap them on the shoulder sometimes. Right, they don't hear you at all. Even without headphones in, <clears throat> you know, they're just in trance. So I had another question. Oh, okay, so you were saying that people can remember everything did you read about the recent case of the lawyer who like hypnotized 
some clients and he, he got taken to jail and they were, they said they had like no memory of it. And mm-hmm. did you read about that recently? No, I did not. Okay. Um, I had read some years ago and heard also from some other clinicians that it's very difficult to induce a state of amnesia. That's what I thought. I mean, sometimes when I read these cases, I always get the feeling like I don't have all the information here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like someone could not sit on my couch and I could like hypnotize them and they couldn't remember it. it like it, it just doesn't happen. It, you know? So I'm like, what's going on here? The, the yeah, where? I'm suspicious of some of those stories as well. Uh-huh. I have had cases. I did have a fellow last week. I brought him out of it. He didn't remember anything from the trance. Uh-huh. But there's also a very good chance that he went into a kind of a light sleep state. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because he was tired. Uh-huh. It was the end of his day. He was tired. So I don't know. The hypnosis was effective. Uh-huh. In another situation, another fella remembered everything right after the trance. A few days later when we were talking, he had difficulty recalling what we talked about. Uh-huh. Because he was still in kind of a trance state probably while he woke up. But... My understanding is the probabilities of inducing an amnesia state through hypnosis is less than 10%. It takes a lot of energy Uh for the mind to repress a memory. Uh For those of us who've worked with clients with repressed memories, there's always an anxiety these patients have because there's a lot of energy being used to repress it. There are forces working within itself. Mm -hmm. So within the person's mind, there's an energy trying to bring the memory out, and there's another energy trying to repress it. So when someone says they were hypnotized to repress memory, I'm suspicious of it. I'm curious. I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I have the the same reaction. (laughs) So I I don't... um, I've heard stories uh, from people with uh, stage hypnotists uh-huh. where uh, people in the audience say they do these bizarre things and afterwards they say they don't have any rec- recollection of it. It's not convincing to me, some of those stories. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that in hypnosis, people who are being hypnotized want to be. They're mm-hmm. making a choice. And I often say to my clients when they're coming in and they're expressing some anxiety about whether or not they'll be able to be hypnotized, I just, I laugh because I think, well, of course you're going to be hypnotized. And I tell them that you came here to get hypnotized. Right. This is what you want. You want to quit smoking or you want to sleep better Mm -hmm. or you want to get rid of those headaches or you don't want to eat as much. Of course, you're going to go into a nice trance because Mm -hmm. you want to. So the people want to go into a trance state. Uh, and they want to go along with the hypnotist. So if it's a stage hypnotist, they might want to go along with those silly things as well uh-huh. because they volunteered for this. Yes. Just like they did to come into counseling. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think the consent is a really mm-hmm. important piece of that, it, which is also why I, I always recommend if someone is going in for clinical work that they find someone who's licensed and mm-hmm. a clinical hypnotherapist versus generally, you know, I don't know, someone who's advertising on buses or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I have the same thought that even though the probabilities of any trouble occurring uh, from hypnosis are pretty small, there is a chance of something occurring. There is a mm-hmm. chance. And the licensed clinician, our training is to deal with these issues. That's, yes. that's what we spend time 
educating ourselves for, and we've been in practice for years working with these issues. The stage hypnotist is pretty much completely unprepared mm-hmm. to deal with anything except having people bark like dogs or quack like ducks. Yeah. <laughs> and right. if if there is an issue, uh, someone could be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, too, recommend that if you are going to seek out hypnosis to treat some issue that you're looking to change, uh, find someone who's licensed as a uh, therapist, a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm, definitely. And an easy way to do that is through the Florida Society of Clinical Hypnosis if you're in Florida or the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. That There's an international one. I mean, these when you're a member, you have, they have listings there, but there's requirements for membership. I actually talk about that in a previous episode, like it's episode, um, one or two. I think it's the second one, actually very early, like how to find someone who's, who's legitimate, who can really truly mm-hmm. help you with mm-hmm. hypnosis. So I want to ask you some about the difference between meditation and hypnosis, because Marty also teaches meditation. You run Mm -hmm. meditation classes, and I know it's also part of your daily routine Mm -hmm. to meditate. Right. The uh, differences between meditation and hypnosis are uh, meditation, you're going into a very pleasant state where typically your heartbeat will slow down, your blood pressure will diminish. Your mind is less active. That may be true in hypnosis, but might not be true. So, for example, uh, in the case I mentioned earlier where the woman had panic attacks for 20 years and I recognized what was causing it, it was from a person uh, who she had been married with uh, over 20 years ago. In her trance state, I gave her a suggestion that this person was chasing her. Hmm. And so her heartbeat sped up. Mm-hmm. Her breathing sped up. Her pulse went up. Her brain became very active. She became afraid in the trance state. Mm-hmm. And then I gave her a suggestion that she was going to stop this person from chasing her forever. And mm-hmm. she turned around and I gave her a suggestion to turn around and say, I am no longer afraid of you. Mm-hmm. She then went back into the relaxed state and I brought her out of the trance and she never had a panic attack again. Amazing. Yeah. That's different than meditation. Yeah. So in a trance state, we could bring about agitation if there's a necessity for it, mm-hmm. as there was in that case. <laughs> we had an interruption from the dog. I clipped it out, but Marty has this amazing standard poodle whose name is Karma. And um, she gave us a little entertainment for a little bit, but we're back. So the idea is that in hypnosis, for example, uh, Liz, uh, Elizabeth, you told the story about, uh, you told stories to the lady who wanted to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. So her mind was involved in the stories that would typically not occur during a meditation. Right. That's true. Yeah. So the meditation is very consistently peaceful and calm where you're working at emptying the mind mm-hmm. and keeping thoughts away from the mind or just keeping a mantra in mind or breathing in mind. Whereas in a hypnosis, you might be doing a lot of work. You might be imagining yourself on a treadmill exercising and notice how good it feels for the energy flowing through you. You might imagine yourself diving off the high dive, which is what I would have the divers who come in for treatment for. Mm -hmm. I have them imagining walking up and diving off the dive, Mm. diving board. Mm. That would not take place during a meditation. 
Right, true. So the differences are hypnosis can be very active. We're actually helping to train the mind in the hypnotic state by giving them jobs to do. Yes. Okay, that makes sense because definitely sometimes when I'm working with someone with trauma, it's absolutely you'll get a reaction going on that as a clinician, you, you're you there to help them through that and talk them through that and give them the suggestions that they can release that trauma and that's not happening during meditation. Hopefully not during meditation. <laughs> yeah, during. hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just as an aside, there is the guided meditation mm-hmm. that people like. And guided meditations, to me, are not true meditations. Uh, mm-hmm. They're more like a light form of hypnosis, where the person doing the guided meditation is, in fact, telling stories. Yes. And guiding the people in the class along this path where they're listening to the story. So it's more of a light hypnosis. And most of the people listening to guided meditations probably go into a trance state. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I do both. I do the kind where it's not guided, but sometimes I will do a guided one. And you're right, it is very different than when I'm just sitting and breathing Mm -hmm. and and trying to let the thoughts go, Mm -hmm. come back to my breath. Yeah, it's a different feeling. The the another um thought about hypnosis is because of the nature of it, people could use hypnosis within themselves. They could teach themselves how to enter a light trance state. Mm-hmm. I use the example of sitting in a chair and imagining going to the beach. If I did that, I'd be in a light trance state. I might then give myself a suggestion that I don't want to eat after dinner. Mm-hmm. And if I just sit there for five or 10 minutes there's a good probability that my unconscious will listen to that and utilize it after dinner. Lovely. So that's a that's if anyone wants to try that at home, you can you can do that and let me know. I know for me it's often um if I do that type of state, it is a trance state, it's floating in and out. Mm-hmm. And often I'll fall asleep and then wake up and think, What what did I tell myself? Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> Again, right. right. But yeah. the message gets mm-hmm. in there, absolutely. Yeah, I've yeah. I, I've also uh used that type of self hypnosis where I put myself into the trance state by daydreaming about something mm-hmm. and I don't give myself a suggestion. I trust that my unconscious knows exactly what my issues are that need to change and is more willing to admit it than I am on a conscious level. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe more interested in stopping eating after dinner than I want to. Uh, it will work at that while I'm in that trance state for me. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things about hypnosis actually is like you, your mind and I think your, your heart and your, your spirit ends up working for you mm-hmm. unconsciously without a whole lot of effort. It, I think you re- referenced it one time and you said, it's the easy way to change. Right. And it's like, yes, it yeah. feels like a shortcut to me. Like, yeah. yes, I can give myself all these suggestions or a client that yeah. I'm working with where that process can mm-hmm. continue Right. While you go about your daily life. Right. It's a very pleasant way to change and it's an easy way to change. It feels good. It seems as if you're moving yourself into or towards a state of harmony. Mm-hmm. You're helping your body to move into better places and your mind as well. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We've come about to the end of our time. Can you please tell people how to find you if they want to work with you? Well, if you're interested in uh, working with me, you could go to my website, Mm -hmm. martinnathan.com. You could call me at 561-353-8474. 
That's 561-353-8474. And if I'm not in session, I'll pick up the phone, and I'm happy to talk to you. There's no cost for that. I'm always happy to chat about what you'd like to work on, and that's how you would reach me. Great. Thank you. And I'll put that in the show notes as well for listeners. Okay. Thank you. I loved that interview with Martin Nathan. I always love talking to him and hearing about all the different ways that he uses hypnosis and also the differences between hypnosis and meditation. That is a common question I get. So I was happy to ask an expert about that finally. I also loved hearing about hypnosis as the easy way to change, that it's a process that continues to go on in your unconscious mind even as you go about your day. That's just a lovely concept, I think. I would appreciate any and all reviews if you love today's episode. I put a video on my website about how to do that on your iPhone. It's on the podcast page. There's always a link in the show notes to that. So again, if you're so inclined, I would appreciate the review. All right, people. Peace. Want free hypnosis files or to learn more about Dr. Liz, her books, products, and services? Head over to drlizhypnosis.com to get in on all the great resources. If you liked this episode, do Dr. Liz a favor and rate, review, and subscribe over at iTunes. Or better yet, tell a friend about the podcast so we can continue to grow our amazing audience. Lastly, be sure to send in your feedback to drliz at drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z at drlizhypnosis.com. We love to hear from you.